Mario's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my face? You like it? Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid, where we might not always make it onto the grid on time, but we will start from the pit lane after some last minute bodge work in the garage. I'm Stuart Greenwood and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts Chris Evans. Hello. And Tom King. How do? And we are basking in the afterglow of an exciting weekend of racing across the pond in Indianapolis. But before we get to that... We need to talk about Monaco, where a late crash in Q2 from the McLaren of Stoffel van Dorm left Lewis Hamilton languishing in 13th place after Mercedes struggled to find the correct setup to give him the car he needed at a circuit where Hamilton often shines. Gentlemen, discuss. They were just mm. not on it all weekend, were they, really? They... No. Yeah, they... just didn't really seem to get it right. They seem to have something in FP1 sort of early on Thursday, but then it sounds like after that they just kind of went one way with the setup and could never get back when they realised it wasn't a good direction. Yeah, they, so. they admit. I think they admitted quite early on on Thursday, didn't they? Well, the end of Thursday practice that they were just they've gone off in completely the wrong direction. Yeah, well, it was it was sort of. It was hitting 113s and stuff, Hamilton, in practice one. Um, and then come practice two, like it, it just couldn't get any faster. So I don't know if they, like I say, I, I don't know what they changed, but from what I've heard, they just changed something in P2 um, in preparation for P3 and qualifying, and the car just never came back to them, and they, they couldn't find that missing time that um, that everybody else was finding. Yeah, I think Lewis said it's pretty much the worst a Mercedes has felt the entire time he's been there. Um, yeah. And I've even I've said today it's still a bit of a mystery to them why they struggled so much. Yeah. Which is it's... not becoming of a multiple world championship winning team. No, really, no, it? it's at sad times at Mercedes. And uh, Bottas didn't do all that great in qualifying either, over only managing, was it third? Uh, he officially qualified third, but in the end, yeah, he he managed to drop into the one twelves to obviously be up there in qualifying. But um, to be fair to him, he wasn't that far off Vettel. It was something like two thousandths of a second, I think, something in Q three, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was insanely yeah. close in Q three. Oh but, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vettel was a one twelve point two two one, and Bottas was a one twelve point two two three. There you go. So, yeah. yeah. And that was to Kimi Raikkonen's, uh, who did hit the pole. Um, it, yes. Well, it didn't hit the pole, because that would have been uh, not <laughs> detrimental to the aims of winning the race. But it would he did manage a 1 minute 12.178, which is yep. only about a second faster than last year, I believe. Yeah, I think you might be right there. They're about 1.13-ish. The, um, they were sort of breaking lap records, weren't they? across the weekend but uh it's not the five seconds we were promised is it <laughs> exactly well this is exactly my point and there's been a number of races that we've gone to already this season where we've been quite a long way shy of that uh that five seconds haven't we it, mm. it just feels like that's a number they plucked out of the air doesn't it really yeah it does i think not it really matters does it well i suppose not but i mean if if it's gonna the, the problem i have with the only problem i have with it is it's 
it's not what they've done has hasn't improved the racing, it's, no. and it's only made the cars a little bit faster. So was it really worth um, bothering? I think the only the only thing that I've sort of heard said that makes a little bit of sense in in that regard is that the changes were talked about for a couple of years, weren't they? So it wasn't last season that all these changes were originally proposed. It was the year before, and then last year it was all signed off and official. And the year before, they were saying it's going to be around three seconds quicker, I think they said on a lap. But just to put in perspective for you, 2015's poll was a 115.09 from Hamilton. And then this year it was a 112.1. So if you look at it in that perspective, the three seconds kind of comes back because of when they were originally planning the the aero updates. And I think that's what is maybe making it look a little underwhelming, is that we're comparing it to last year instead of the year before that, I think. Yeah, maybe maybe we're being too harsh on them. For, for that reason, because to to be fair, they did look a lot to the eye. I felt like they they looked much much faster around Monaco this year yeah. than they have done in the past, which is uh, no bad thing. Um, anyways, we're off on a huge tangent there already. Hmm. Um, <laughs> just to bring it back to qualifying, Button put it in ninth on his return after getting a grip penalty due to having his MGU hybrid and his turbo changed, um, and we found out over the weekend that. The McLaren MGUH can only last two race distances, which is... No uh, good, is it, really? It's, yeah. No. <laughs> that must have put it, a smile on Alonso's face, though. That's one set of penalties he doesn't have to take. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unfair as well, though, because obviously Buttons hit that limit immediately because he has to use Alonso's quota yeah, exactly. of, of parts from an engine perspective. I guess it's so, rules that were never written with this sort of situation in mind, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose it was that. Yeah. Um, so, just final note on qualifying that Kimmy's lap, as we've already mentioned, was a stellar lap. Um, his first pole position since two thousand and eight, which amounts to half of his career ago. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, that is. That's yeah. an interesting. That's a crazy fact. Half of his yeah. career, and he's still. That's all. That's all I kept hearing him saying all weekend. Is like, is he's practically gone half his career since he last hit a pole? Yeah. It's like what? Wow. It's He's been the bridesmaid for a very long time, hasn't he? <laughs> mm. I'm sure he would love to hear you say that to his face, Chris. <laughs> I'm sure he would care as much as he cares about everything yeah, else. Yeah, I'm sure he would. He'd probably just look you dead in the eye, do nothing, and you'd turn to stone. Um, yeah. Alonso had a lovely message for uh, Jensen <laughs> just before the race. Um, shall I read out the message? <laughs> I've, I've actually got the message, if you'd like Even it. better. Let's do it. Let's have the actual message. Message actual from Fernando Alonso to Jensen Button. Jensen, Jensen, my friend, I'm sure you wanted to hear my voice before starting the race. Uh, just wishing you the best of luck. We follow you here on television. You did amazing yesterday. So, yeah, please. Oh, have fun, thank you. My friend, and take care of my car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to pee in your seat. <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> have fun. You did amazing. Cheers, yesterday. man. Amazing job. And you, buddy. And you, buddy. Have a good one. <laughs> Jensen That's Button nice about touch. to pee in the seat of Alonso's <laughs> car there. Um, it's, it was a nice touch, I thought. That It was like, as Jensen was driving to the end of the pit lane, which is where he started, which was a shame. Um, yeah. I mean, like Jensen just, right up until the race, Jensen just seemed to be having 
a bit of a laugh the whole time. Like he clearly wasn't taking anything seriously, just yeah. having some fun. I mean, he was on the pace so quickly. Like the sort of first half of FP one, he was a good few seconds down everyone. Then by the end, he was like within a tenth of uh, Van Dorn. Um, and then, yeah, obviously put it ninth on the grid, but had to end up starting the pit lane. See, what was nice to see is that despite Van Dorn crashing in Q2, he was obviously in Q3 at that point. Yeah. And I know there's a couple of cars who had their Q2 laps kind of ruined by Van Dorn crashing, but ultimately it was um, it was the two of them almost legitimately in Q3 yeah. there. Which was nice to see. Yeah, which kind of goes a long way to the the theory that the McLaren is a very good car with a very bad engine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Van Dorn did run in seventh for a long time. In yeah, he was well up Q, there. Q two, um, and obviously didn't get out of Q two in the end. Um, and yeah, Button stuck it ninth, um, almost matching Alonso's seventh for Barcelona, almost. only two places down. Yeah. So, you know, top ten contenders. And as you say, it's a decent car. It, it's just it makes engine. you it makes you wonder as well that if Jensen, who's got in the car for the first time at all, can put it ninth, where might Alonso have been able to put that had he been in Monaco? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting theory. I can tell you where he wouldn't have put it, <laughs> and that's <laughs> up the inside of Pascal Verline, <laughs> yes. t- tipping him on his side into a primo stance Rodney Mullen style. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Do we want to talk Button's race before we get into the race proper, I guess, while we're talking about him? I think so. I don't think we need to sort of... I don't think we need to... Like, There's no real... I mean, there's so little happened in the race that we can <laughs> we can just talk about it. <laughs> so I, I think, think we should just move on to the weekend as a whole. So let's do it. Well, I think, obviously, the end of last season, it was all a bit of a grey area with, with Jensen. Now it very much feels like this was his last ever race. Yeah. There's little to no chance of him ever racing again. And it might... Be one of his worst races of all time. He yeah. obviously like the strategy screwed him because him and Verline pitted um, really early on. In, in fact, lap one wasn't it? They pitted at the end of lap one. Yeah. To change, the, mm. do they want to stop the rest of the race? Which meant Button ended up coming out behind Verline, and he just sat there behind him for the entirety of the race. An, an, an unsafe release, may I add. Verlein's. Yes, there was. The, well, that was that was the ridiculous thing. An unsafe release put Verline in front of him. So they gave Verlein a penalty, which he would yeah. take in his pit stop, but he wasn't going to have another pit stop. Do. So, <laughs> yes, he got five seconds added on to the end of his time, but that's completely screwed Jensen's race at that point. Yeah, well, he, he just couldn't get past him at that point no. at all, could he? he? I think that's where the move that put Verlein into the wall kind of came from. It was also his desperation, just, wasn't it? Yeah, he spent a long time and behind... It was, yeah. yeah, and it was a very clumsy move that was never going to come off. Like, that was never yeah. going to happen. <laughs> um, and yeah, it sort of punted for a line side onto the wall, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. A little bit scary. A little bit scary to see a Formula 1 car on its side at such an acute angle to the track. Yeah, especially mm. where the sort of driver's exposed head is up against the wall. That's always slightly Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe his radio message to the team was, I would prefer it if I could get out of the car. <laughs> yeah, they were radioing him to check if he was okay. It was uh, the usual, are you okay, Verline? Is everything okay? And he, he just responded with, uh, yeah, I'm fine. I just prefer it if I could get out of the car. Yeah, There were actually quite a few uh, interesting radio messages uh, during the race, which I think showed the frustration 
that um, some of the drivers had. Um, yeah. One of my favourites was Max Verstappen's uh, race just after the round of pit stops, where he came out behind. Um, he came out behind both Bottas and Ricardo, and he says, "This is an absolute effing disaster, you Jeff." Which yeah. is uh, quite. I don't, I don't think he actually called anyone a name, but um, it just. You know, <laughs> it's along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't very happy. Uh, there were a few more as well. Um, which I can't quite put my finger on right now, which is a shame. But uh... there was a there was a couple. It kind of showed how hard the drivers are working in these cars as well. Um, there was Perez telling the team off for talking to him basically at one point. Yeah, um, well, was was he trying to blame the fact that he crashed into Kvyat on that? Because that was that one of the way. other incidents that was a bit. Why has he put the car there? It's a bit of a silly place to try and. Although we have seen that work in the past with the um, the move from Jules Bianchi on the inside of. I want to say it was Coverline in that year. It was the Lotus, wasn't it? Or whatever they were called at the time, the Caterham. And Jules Bianchi kind of went down the inside and bumped his way through at Rascals. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And they both just ended up wedged in the wall, didn't they? And they couldn't move. No, no, that that's the one that came off. You're, I, I don't know if you're thinking of the time that Kovalainen went over the top of oh, yeah. Carter Kayan. Was it Carter Kayan? Or was it Chanduk? Was it Karun Chanduk? I believe that was Yano Trulli on Karun Chanduk. I think it was. I just, I just remember it was a Lotus and a Hispania. Yeah. Yes. That's that's as much as I remember. Yeah. Uh, so Perez, yeah, Perez, Perez crashed into Kvyat, um, which was a bit of a, uh, a, a plum moment from the pair of them. Really, it was another desperate lunge, wasn't it? Really. Yeah. Uh, in a race yeah. of attrition. Shall we say? <laughs> yeah. I think it was a race of attrition. Just a race of not much happening and frustrated drivers, wasn't it? Really. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. About. I think. Do you think these wider cars have sort of contributed to that? Maybe. I've <sighs> got to have, haven't they? I mean, we saw all those shots of the drivers literally rubbing against the barriers through the swimming pool. Yeah, that was, they were really cool shots. There was one yeah, shot of awesome. uh, Verstappen doing that, and if he'd rubbed it any harder, he would have been doing a Van Dorn. He would have yeah. been wiping the wiping it off. Well, I, did you notice that the Van Dorn crash in Q2 was practically identical to one that Verstappen had last year yeah. in the same spot? Yeah, it Just was clipped actually. the right front on the inside of the exit to the swimming pool, obviously wiped out the wheel and you lose it, and then it just, <laughs> it's destination barrier. Yeah. Full full speed shot, that uh, full speed, that shot, I think is my favourite in Formula 1. Cause it, yeah, because it shows yeah, it just I mean, shows the change of direction so so beautifully, and it yeah. looks just because the barriers are so close and it all looks so so fast. Yeah. It's uh, it's a great great shot, and in slow motion when you can see all the movement of the wings and the vibrations going through the tire and all that, it's just yeah, it's I that remember, is the magic of Formula One for me. I was reading an article about Monaco in general, and one of the things that's blown my mind most about Formula One ever is saying that some drivers into the swimming pool will turn the wheel slightly as they dab the brakes to kick the back end out slightly. So <laughs> when the grip then comes back, it fall, like throws them into the corner at the right angle sort of thing. Like, that's just ridiculous physics. Yeah. Rather think, than than me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, th- I think this weekend, I don't think many of them would have been dabbing the brakes this weekend because they were Probably going through not with their, these cars. Yeah, they were going through that like it was cops. Yeah. At yeah. Silverstone, in the words of Martin Brundle, hat tip. 
Um, so the onto the main talking point of the race, which is obviously Ferrari's win, the first one-two since Germany in two thousand and ten. Um, long, long time ago. Yeah. Incidentally, infamous. the race. In, incidentally, the infamous race where the message "Fernando is faster than you" was read to Felipe Massa um, at the uh, down at the hairpin and that whole shenanigan. Yeah, Felipe Massa duly allowed. Uh, Fernando Alonso <laughs> through, obviously, um, which leads on to our main talking point for this race, this particular race of the weekend, which is did Ferrari give Vettel the win, or was Kimi just too slow slash hindered by strategy? Uh, it's I'll... weird. Obviously, Ferrari and everyone involved have denied there's anything like that, and it's just the way it panned out. Um, Lewis seems pretty convinced that it was. Mm. Um, Kimmy seemed pretty peed off. Well, I mean, this has been Kimmy's best chance of a win in years. Probably in Mm. this half of his career, in fact. Um, (laughs) Other than the ones that he did get recently for Lotus, just to point out. Yeah, they're the Lotus ones, weren't they? Um, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's. I, it definitely feels like Vettel was very much given the favoured strategy. Whether Kimi called for that early pit stop himself or not seems to be open for debate. Um, yeah, because his it, his entire bad m- demeanour and grumpiness about it and very clearly being agitated could also quite easily be that he's annoyed with himself for something. It's you know, he's, he, he's not come out and said anything to the no. team that I'm aware of or about the team. No, he never would, though. No. He's not that kind of dra- mm. he's not that kind of guy. I don't no, think. that's true. And I mean, um, go on. Chris. That being said, there's no denying that he just wasn't super quick in the race. That's I mean that's the thing for me. Like, I don't I'm I don't think that it was a a, a team order. I think it was a, a team order in the sense of we deliberately put him on the worst strategy. I yeah. think it's it was it was more he was slowing down quite. He was backing right into Vettel. And slowing yeah. Vettel down, and that would have put Vettel under threat from the Red Bull of Ricardo, who was going really, really fast at that point in the race. And yeah. I think he did make the call himself. He did. I heard him on the radio say that he did want to come in, and they duly let him into the uh, let him into yeah. the pits for fresh tyres. It I just mean, so happens that I think it just so happens that Vettel had not eaten his tyres up quite as much and managed to get yeah. a bit more out of them. Um, and got Ultimately, the overcut. He had he had a series of laps where he had brand new ultrasofts to do the times he needed to do to stop the undercut, and it didn't happen. It was yeah. it was stuck behind traffic though as well. I think was part of it, wasn't Partially, it? I don't think it was yeah. solely that he was slow or anything. No, I think no, that... but he was slowing before he reached the tra- traffic though. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Vettel was catching him. Well, Vettel never looked like dropping off the back of him, did it really? No, no. Whole... And, and as soon as he had that clear space in front of him, when once Raikkonen had pitted, Vettel started banging in the yeah, laps anyway because yeah. he knew he he had to do that if he wanted to take the lead. So, I, like, I'm I'm with the majority saying that I don't think there's anything intentional in it because I think it is just maybe Raikkonen's annoyed at the way things have played out, which you would be. You, yeah, of course you, you would be in his position. Yeah, you were in, you were in the lead at Monaco and your own pace. As, well, in theory, yeah. your own pace may be a team order as as uh, as taking you off the win. 
But, you know, having said all that, at the same time, there's there's not a lot I would put past Ferrari. And I do... I think it's there's as much chance that they did deliberately make that call as as there is that they didn't. Because the logic says that if, if you're on a tyre that takes a long time to warm up, then the overcut is always going to be the one. So you would pit driver number mm. two first. And in this case, driver number two should have been Vettel because he was second on track. But actually... They deemed that Ragnar should come in. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that they're putting everything behind Vettel this year already. Yeah, absolutely. And Hamilton's it, said as much it, as well. It, yeah. It's a it's a good opportunity for them, though, isn't it? It's it's not then. Obviously, nobody's in that position, that luxurious position that, for example, Mercedes have had for the last few years, where. One of their drivers is going to win it either or. It's just so let them fight between each other for it. It's a case of we are fighting another team. And while uh, while Mercedes are having bad days with Hamilton and Bottas, you need to prioritise Vettel and get him as high up that yeah. finishing order as possible, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, they're fighting for a championship. Who can blame them for putting all their eggs in one basket? Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it'd be their first championship in a long, long, long time as well. Let's not forget yep. that. Um, so anyway, I think we've, uh, I don't know, would, would you say we've covered that one, chaps? There's not much more to say, is there? It wasn't a great race, really. No. Um, um, I've got a couple more bits of trivia, I guess. There were a total of nine overtakes in the race. Wow. Only nine overtakes? There were, to be honest, honest, I'm struggling to remember nine. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Nothing. I don't. I don't think I saw a single on-track overtake. Then again, um, this this also claims there was one overtake for the lead, which I definitely don't remember. Happening. Well, that's in the pits, wasn't it? Well, I didn't think this counted pits, so I'm not really sure about that. There yeah, weren't many overtakes. You can say that with some certainty. Um, do we know how many overtakes on track there were last season at Monaco? No, there were fifteen. My guess would. I was my guess would be more. Oh. Yeah. Not many more. <laughs> only fifteen. Only fifteen on track last year in Monaco. Yeah, I so, I do think these new cars and street circuits aren't going to get on very well. Yeah, mm. I think we can. Which all, is a uh, shame when we seem to be having more and more street circuits coming up. There we go. Any um, any more trivia's trivia's for us, Chris? While we're up trivia alley. Uh, Sergio Perez had fastest lap one fourteen eight. Um. Oh yeah. And after the incident where Button flipped Verline onto two wheels into the wall. Uh, Jensen has been given a three-place penalty <laughs> for his next race this season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus two yeah. points on his license. Something <laughs> tells me that he won't be serving that penalty. I, I have know. a feeling, no. Unless uh, <laughs> Alonso finds something else he fancies doing instead. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Maybe Alonso will do a rallycross stage. Maybe. <laughs> in, in the ultimate irony of ironies. <clears throat> to but obviously comparing Button to uh, to yeah. rallycross there. Um, driver of the day, chaps. Who have you got? Um, I think worth giving the Haas drivers a little shout out. They turned eighth yeah. and eleventh on the grid to eighth and tenth of the flag, both in the points. Yeah, I struggle to find anything hugely noteworthy. I think Hamilton did well to get from thirteenth on the grid to seventh to at least scrape some points out of what was a bad week. Well, Hamilton's the only yeah. person that really made some progress. Like looking yeah. at the. Um, race results uh, like Carlos Sainz sixth great result but he also qualifies sixth so he just yeah. kind of held station and there's lots of well, drivers like that when I sat and looked at the results I sort of looked at it and I thought 
actually, science could be a shout. And then I stopped and I thought, but what did I see him do? And where yeah. did he qualify? Mm, mm. It's just a, a, almost a standard Monaco finish is that if you don't hit the barrier, nine times out of ten, you'll finish roughly where you started. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Like, I mean, another one's Jolyon Palmer. He turns 16th into 11th. But then again, there there were seven retirements in the race, so yeah, yeah, most ahead of him as well. Pretty much also just held station. Yeah, he was uh, third from last of the of the cars that did retire. Um, yeah, the two last cars, sadly for all of us, I think, being the Force Indias. Both Force Indias finished outside of the points for the first yes. time this season. Yeah, that run comes to an end, I'm afraid to yeah. say. Twelfth yeah. and thirteenth, twelfth for Esteban Ocon, thirteenth for Perez, um, who, yeah, they just didn't. They were very quiet all weekend. He he could have had the points. Perez almost had the points until he had the silly move on Kvyat. Yeah. Because if I remember rightly, they were running Kvyat ninth and Perez tenth. And he got silly down the inside and caused that accident. And he cost both of them points, Kavir and himself. Um, because even though he could finish the race, he still obviously had to pit and um, get some damage sword. Yeah. I can't remember what it was exactly. but. <clears throat> um, yeah. So would we? who do we award the, uh, the the jingle to then, on that note? I'm... <sighs> For, are we talking drive of the day? Or are we talking? Uh, oh, sorry, we've not truck. we've not actually said drive of the day, have we? Shall uh, we decide on think, drive of the day? I think I want to give it to Carlos Sainz. He he held station, but it was he had a lot going on around him. He was he had Hamilton chasing at the end. He was in the mix when all the front runners were doing their pit stops and stuff, and he kept his head and brought it home sixth. So I'm going to say him. Yeah, that's a solid finish for uh, for yeah. uh, Toro Rosso yeah. as well. Sixth six for Monaco is good going. I'm I'm gonna have to stick to my original thoughts of Hamilton just because I think to even though it is only six places, it's six places where he's pretty much made all those places himself rather than it being people yeah. dropping out ahead of him. So to to claw those points back when I think the team were um anticipating tenth as a finish for him. Yeah. I think is it's going to have to go to him for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, another interesting radio message at the end of the race was from Hamilton saying something along the lines of um that the war is not a, the battle's not over yet he was he was yeah. telling the radio he's yeah. like almost almost geeing himself up for the rest of the season um i think i agree i think hamilton probably is my driver of the day on that because in a race where not many people went up or down too many places to go up that many places is kind of a big deal he did yeah. a lot with a bad car yes i'd agree with that absolutely yeah. um move of the day there weren't any. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there, well were, there was apparently nine. <laughs> we just apparently didn't really see any. So, yeah. well, for me, it's, it's it was on a different day. But I think it was in free practice too. Um, Jensen uh, put a move on Lewis Hamilton at the bottom of the hill out of the tunnel, which was a cracking little overtake. I think it was the only clean overtake of the weekend as well. Yeah. So I'm going to nominate yeah. Jensen for move of the day on Je- Thursday. Yeah, so Jensen for move of a day. Yeah, yeah. Thursday, not necessarily the right. Day. <laughs> Congratulations, Jensen. That's you, you've won that this weekend. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm absolutely happy to go along with that because there was nothing in the race worthy of the title move of the day. No, I mean, no. let's face it, we all went into this with high hopes for Jensen, so we've got to take some <laughs> positives out of it. Yeah, wait for prediction league time. Yes. Oh, let's let's not get to that. <laughs> We're yeah. ridiculous. Um, so what the f? What the heck? What the what the heck in heck are we doing here? Um, Would you like it? Let's do it. Let's have it. 
Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> That's actually better than the other one. <laughs> I really like that. Um, um, I think Jensen's move was the silliest of the weekend. Yeah, I do. Popping mm. Berlin onto the wall. So that's two wins for Jensen this weekend, actually. It is, yeah. Is, yeah. is it a win? <laughs> it's a win. It's, it's a prestigious award. <laughs> the back of the grid WTF of the day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts, Tom? Um, the, Literally, the two we've talked about already, it was the Jensen up the inside of Verline, punting him into the wall, and then the Perez on Kvyat. As much as Perez was, as far as I know, trying to blame it on them talking to him, he still dove down yeah, the inside yeah, yeah. of him and Razkaz when the gap wasn't there. So, And if you had to pick one? Mm, just because it was more spectacular, JB. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's not very often you that. see a car balanced up on its side on two wheels. So. It was probably yeah. the most exciting part of the race, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> for for yeah. obviously not, not necessarily that, not great to see a car on its side, but once you realise that everything's <laughs> okay. Right, yeah. And it did, actually, to be fair, that move did spark... Probably the most interesting phase of the race, which was the safety car, the or should I should say post safety car, yeah, um, blast to the to the finish. I think Jensen well, was just as bored as we were, so wanting to make something happen. Yeah. On on that note as well, what I noticed is for a long time, we saw everyone just running the race with no no incident. There was obviously Hulkenberg going out really early with the oil leak or whatever it was, all the oil pressure drop, whatever it was that caused his issue and that was quite early and they got him out of the way and that was it. But then kind of everyone ran and I was sat thinking there's 19 cars out of 20 here still running. Mm. How has nobody hit something yet? And then obviously Jensen just started a chain reaction Yeah, and oh, another one... six cars disappeared out of the list I think. Yeah. But... I, there is one late um, entry for WTF, which is um, mm. Marcus Ericsson crashing under the safety car. Um, did he? Yeah. Yes. It, Al- it, although he mm. did say afterwards that it was a brake problem that caused it. I don't know if it was so much a... Uh, I don't know. It, there was two factors at the time. There was the, apparently his brakes, but then there was that horrible piece of tarmac on the inside of turn one. Yeah, because it was Which, as he overtook the safety car, wasn't it? Because he was near yeah. the front of the queue, and they gave the signal that cars can overtake the safety car, and he popped around the outside of the safety car, just straight into the wall. There was, there was like a horrible strip on the inside of turn one, and yeah. they'd apparently resurfaced, and then it was being torn up by the cars. Really? And it was all coming loose, and then they had to resurface it. Ugh, I can't remember. I think it was Friday between... FP2 and FP3 and they, they, they resurfaced it again but it was still coming up during the race and there were a couple of radio messages from yeah. drivers to teams and teams to drivers sort of either drivers saying this is coming up it's not I'm, I'm losing grip here because the tarmac's coming up and then like other teams then going to their drivers and saying just watch the inside of turn one it's you know the track surface is coming up a bit so I don't know if maybe that played a factor because that's where he kind of locked and went straight on, isn't it? But maybe, but I mean, it I didn't happen to anyone else, did it? Yeah, we should give him the benefit of the doubt because if it, if he said it's a breaking issue, then you have to take yeah. a word for it. Um, cool. So that that that's that's the Monaco Grand Prix. That was the boring race of the weekend. That was boring race of the weekend. Shall we wait and do predictions scores after? Yeah, let's or, finish up with yeah, that. We'll yeah, we'll do we the end finish of the show on those. Like okay, do. okay, okay. Um, so the Indy Five Hundred, um, the An exciting hun- race. Or in, in, the, in the words of the Americans, the one hundred and 
first running of the Indy <laughs> 500. Nailed it. Um, Nailed it. It was a it was a damn good race. Yeah, it's considering it was... they only turn left. It was a much more <laughs> mu- much more exciting race than uh, the Monaco Grand Prix with a, a, a huge combination of left and right turns. Um, <laughs> with with multiple overtakes and lots of different leaders and yeah yeah I believe thirty two exchanges of lead. The thing, wow, okay, that's a lot. The um the one thing that really stood out to me was that whether you're watching Channel Four or Sky Sports, the commentators on both are super into it and even a boring race they're excited about things and what's going on yeah watch the indy 500 a really exciting race spectacular things happening and the commentators sound like they're barely paying attention (laughs) even like if you go and find any indianapolis well any indycar clip in general on youtube with something exciting happening the commentators barely react to stuff it's really weird Mm. in their defense it is four hours long um Listen to the Le Mans 24 hour commentators. Uh, they still yeah. get excited. They That's do like true. six hour shifts of commentary and they still get excited. Okay, I stand down. I stand down. You're right. <laughs> but anyway, that's a minor gripe. I'm done griping. Yeah. All right. Just open it up on a gripe, Chris. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Debbie Downer over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, though, as well, just, just to very quickly make a point on that, that America as a general personality is quite loud boisterous yeah. excited it's weird, isn't you it? know that's that's what the country is quite well known for is being really excited and really up and behind everything like come on this is what's gonna happen guys and like yeah. being really excited about things but then at that moment it's like yeah so we see um hunter ray go round into the pits now it's like what <laughs> do, do, <laughs> yeah. do we think we could do a better job or a more exciting job of, of commentating an indie race indycar oval yes. race more exciting then. yes more knowledgeable no probably not <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely not we would not have a clue what we were talking so, about. So, so there you have it, IndyCar organisers. If you fancy a new set of commentators for Charlotte next week, um, give us a <laughs> shout. Yeah. yeah. Get BT Sports on the go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, BT Sport. Dude. Yeah, we should just have an English commentary. That'd be much more exciting. Anyway, <laughs> yep. um, there were some spectacular... Spect- well, there was a spectacular crash yeah. uh, for Scott Dixon. Who I believe Was Scott Dixon the pole sitter? It was indeed. It was, yeah. But it was running in eight for the time of the crash, I think, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so on lap 53, he hit a damaged and out of control Jay Howard um, and just launched into the air, like yeah. tens of yeah. feet into the air. And Castro Neves was very lucky not to get caught up in it. as he. And I've seen photos of this. He caught air underneath, as, as he drove underneath yeah. the, the flying car of, of Scott Dixon, he caught air himself. Because he was going over a bumpy bit, so there's a photo yeah. of Castro Naves in the air with a car <laughs> upside down, even higher up in the air than him. It was um, insane, wasn't it? Yeah, luckily both bo- footage as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should point out, luckily both drivers escaped unscathed, and what uh, both walked away from the accident, which I is mean, testament Scott... to how safe these cars are. Because if you see yeah. it, it's a it's a killer accident. Yeah. It's an absolute crazy. I mean, one. Scott Dixon came down pretty hard on the inside wall, um, kind of cockpit first as well, which is always really scary. I mean, yeah. that's how yeah. all the deaths in recent years in IndyCar has all been m- yeah. mostly been people coming cockpit first onto things. Um, and I mean, his car, everything behind the safety cell was just 
gone. It was yeah, like just, there was three and a half a car left. Yeah. yeah, yeah, terrifying crash, but so impressive that he could walk away from it. Yeah, yeah it's. I, I, I've personally, I don't think I've seen a car hang in the air so long yeah. after an incident. There, there might be a couple of exceptions, like, um, like I, I've seen a couple of Le Mans cars go upside down and hang, but yeah. nothing to the extent well, of. Scott Dixon. There were the infamous Mark Webber crashes in the old Mercedes years ago, yeah. back in the nineties, um, where they were go- it was going down the mu- I think the Mussolini Strait, and there used to be a bit of a hump there, which I think they've since then they've ironed this hump out a little bit. But um, there was something wrong with the aero on that car. It turned out, and he launched that launched him into the air, yeah. and uh, he ended up he hit a tree backwards, and and he yeah. walked away from that. He hung in the air for quite a yeah. while. Yeah, he was lucky to walk away from that one. Anyway, we're off. We're way off. Way off. Uh, <laughs> off topic now. Um, how how much is Le Mans going to creep into this conversation? <clears throat> uh, both Hunter Ray and Charlie Kimball had Honda engine failures, causing colli- causing colli- caution. Sorry, on laps one five five and one six six respectively. Um, yeah. Hunter Ray, yeah, Hunter Ray was uh, in contention for the lead for quite a long time. Yeah. yeah, well, it, it was sort of between him, Rossi, and Alonso for a lot of the time up to there, and obviously all three being um, Andretti drivers, they were kind. It was obviously purposeful lead changes to yeah. ease fuel wear yeah. um, against one another, and just taking it in turns, like almost cycling, like to think, take turns at the front, like I the think flying there was even v. radio. Yeah, there was a radio message to Alonso, I think, when it was kind of those all the Andretti guys in formation. I think they said like, "You can have a bit of fun here for a few laps," and they yeah. just kind of overtook each other for a bit. And mm. it must be nice to have that many people, kind of wingmen, in that sort of racing. Yeah, it's a very interesting kind of racing with that with teams of that size. Excellent mm. use of the word wingmen after I just said flying V there, Chris. Thank, Thank you very much. much <laughs> um, uh, st- yeah, so Alonso led, 20, speaking of Alonso, he led 27 yes. laps of the race, um, which is more mm. than the uh, other rookie that came third, which we'll get to oh. later on. Um, uh, so he led 27 laps and Chilton uh, led 50 laps. Is that yeah, correct? and um, yeah, Chillum was lap lap count leader with fifty. Hunter Ray was second with twenty eight, and Alonso was third with twenty seven. Yeah, and uh, Alonso had the highest average speed lap before. Sadly, sadly, and such terrible luck for Alonso <sighs> retiring on the hundred and seventy ninth lap of two hundred due Honda to an, a Honda failure. engine failure. In irony of ironies, yeah, oh, just it's... the worst luck. J- what what really annoys me about this is obviously there was the shot that we tweeted, which was him having engine difficulties in one of the practice sessions yeah. or qualifying, whichever it was. Um, then Hunter Ray went out, Charlie Kimball went out, both literally Honda engines just going pop. And that's you watch the onboard footage, and for both cars, it was just a Honda engine going pop. That and sounds then familiar, doesn't it? That? To nothing. Mm. Yeah, and then... You just, with Alonso doing as well as he was, you just, I had this horrible gut feeling and I just thought, please don't let it happen to him after all the stuff he's been yeah, through yeah. this season in F1. And, and so late in the race. Oh, it? it was so annoying to see it. 21, so 21 laps to go. 21 yeah. laps to go. So close to the end. Um, I, I should point out that I've actually got in this uh, in this notes, 
insert Honda engine joke here, but I don't <laughs> think I have the heart no, to, I don't want to, to do it. It's... Um, and I must caveat that I'd, it was a Honda that eventually went on to win the race, so we're, we can't yeah. complain to I think there's a definite, there's a definite, I think, power advantage from the Honda engines in that sport. From watching it for just the last couple of weeks, as in qualifying and then a race, the Honda engines are very clearly the more powerful and better engine mm. on like a one lap or average speed basis. But to then push it 500 miles, it's not got the legs. I yeah. think. Yeah. No. It's yeah. as evident. <laughs> yeah. It's. Go on, Chris. So what while we're talking Alonso, so obviously he yeah, he retired down the like just off the main straight. Um and when he got out of the car and got like pretty much a standing ovation from the crowd in front of him, like everyone applauding yeah. him, like the hairs in the back of my neck stood up, like it was for him to go over there and everybody just take to him and perform the way like it was really special. Yeah. And it was so devastating that he dropped out and I th- like everybody says just how well he's like conducted himself there and how good it's just been for motorsport as a yeah. whole. Yeah, the whole thing's just been incredible, and it's it's. I mean, he was up there; he was in contention for the win. Absolutely. In, yeah. If that engine had carried on going, he would have been in the mix at the end. Yeah. I think so. I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Which is uh, why he uh, was awarded Rookie of the Year. I I would say. Too yeah. much controversy. Too much controversy. <laughs> I mean, well, with the certain people. Mostly controversy yeah. from uh, Sebastian Bourdais. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bourdais got beef, hasn't he? I think, as I said to you guys earlier, though, it, unless he just turned up and stuck it in the wall immediately, he was always going to win that award. Like, yeah, he, he's the most superstar rookie it's, of all time. Yeah, it, it, it's an it's a difficult one because Bourdais' point is like Alonso's a world champion and this, that, and the other, but. And that it should have been um, Ed Jones, the guy who came on th- came home third because he yeah. was also a rookie. But the argument from the Alonso camp is that yeah, but the guy until a few weeks ago had never set foot in an Indy car or on an oval. Yeah. Whereas Ed Jones has raced nine competitive oval races up to Indy five hundred, so he's got the experience in that yeah. that Alonso hasn't so that's why Alonso's thing's impressive which it is yeah. but he is still a rookie because he's officially a rookie yeah then, well you don't so you don't get if... you don't get more rookie than your very first IndyCar race yeah do you like yeah, exactly. and you compare that to Ed Jones who's done 9 which I didn't know about until just now then <laughs> yeah. you know and he's uh, I mean it, how many laps did he lead did, did Ed Jones lead any a single lap of this no. race he didn't. There you go then. To me, Alonso, hands down, regardless of how many champions, regardless of the raw talent and the championships won and the fame and the fortune that he's got over the years, if you show up at a sport like this where these are apparently the fastest drivers in the world, according to most people who watch IndyCar, then you deserve Rookie of the Year. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, like, and- obviously he's already, like, one of the best drivers in the world of all time in fact and you know i've been a fan of him for some time whatever but what he's done in this race is like it's on another level like no end of respect for what he achieved there yeah Yeah. and not only not only his performance in the race but as we've covered all the everything that this this activity of his has done for motor racing as a whole then surely that in of itself is worth rookie of the year I think, I mean, he's already said that he definitely wants to go back and have another crack at it sometime. 
But don't blame him. Even no. if he never wins it, I think just the way he's performed this weekend alone just cements him as one of the best of all time. Yeah, yeah. And just already. the experience for him as well, man. How yeah. how exciting must it be to have on your CV to be able to say you've done that? I can't wait for him to yeah. do them on. I, 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 the thing is, for me, as daft as it sounds, I think I could now become an IndyCar fan. As I've said to you two, is yeah. now, now I've... I purposely subscribed to BT Sport here in the UK to watch that race because that's the best way to watch it here. And I'm now debating keeping that subscription on, which I cancelled because I didn't watch anything on it, just to watch IndyCar in the same way I keep Sky Sports to watch the Sky Sports F1 coverage and I don't watch it for anything else. It's done one of its jobs then, hasn't it? Yeah, Exactly. And fingers crossed it'll work the other way as well, as in... People will see what a good job Alonso has done going over there and then tune in in two weeks' time to watch him hopefully do another good job with a <laughs> car in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they're across the pond. It'll probably sell tickets. It'll help sell tickets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, New Yorkers heading up there to uh, to watch it. And then, obviously, the USA Grand Prix. I'm sure they'll, sell, they'll probably sold out of tickets yeah. based yes, on Yes, definitely. Um yeah, so that's so. Just to cover a bit more of the, the race itself, Takuma Sato came through the field after dropping back due to a dropped wheel nut in the first stop, and he uh, he took the lead with five with five to go and held off three-time winner Castroneves, who also had luckily dipped underneath that the flying car of yeah. Scott Dixon earlier on in the day. Um, Chilton had points at the head of the race and came home fourth, and Ed Jones ran near the front for a long time, and as we've covered, came third. The Andretti's looked good other than the failures of the Honda engines for Hunter Ray, Alonso, Rossi, and uh, they were all sharing the lead for a good deal of the race until their issues came through. The eventual winner of the race was Takuma Sato. Um, Got to say I'm really chuffed for him as well. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, first ever just Japanese seems, winner. Yeah, which is really impressive and just generally seems like one of these guys in motorsport that everybody likes which is always nice what, what was interesting which i didn't realize is i knew uh, dario franchiti had, had won in the past mm-hmm. um what i didn't realize is that it was between him and takuma for the win and takuma ended up spinning the car out and and throwing it away oh really and pretty much gave it to dario franchiti and there was a there was a awesome moment during one of the post-race interviews like just as uh, Takuma had got out the car and it was like saying what's it feel like he's like well at least I've finished this race the right way around this time just making jokes <laughs> on the fact that he spun it that year and I, th- I think it meant more to him because of that because of how close he'd, become in- he'd come to it in the past and thrown it away that he's now done it and he's now yeah. hit that, that goal which is That's awesome cool. yeah yeah yeah, so so um, con- congratulations to uh, yeah. to Kumisato. I think everyone Absolutely. seemed really yeah. happy for him. Uh, Max Chilton as well. That's super impressive. His, his yeah. first Indy 500 as well, wasn't it? Because he was in Indy Lights last year. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He's, yeah. Uh, I, I hear that he's fully set up for Indy. He bought himself a condo. Oh uh, nice. There we go. Near, near to uh, the actually, I think it was in Indianapolis. The co- the condo that he bought. Yeah. According to the American, the exciting American commentators. <laughs> <laughs> um, should mention. Just, Pippa Man as well. Uh, yeah, she finished only one lap down, seventeenth. Ah. Go Pippa! Yeah, another Brit. Have you ever heard Pippa Man speak? I have not. No. It's bizarre. 
She's got a, an English without without being harsh on her characterizations. Great, great job. Um, <laughs> but she's got she's she's got this English American accent, and it's almost it's, it's but it's not like a normal British accent. It's like a sort of a Somerset accent mixed in with <laughs> West like Country. An, yeah, like oh, a West nice. Country accent mixed in with an American accent. I heard her speaking uh, during I think it was during one of the practice sessions or maybe qualifying. It's a great um, combo. Yeah, yeah, it's just a really interesting accent. So, uh, what? So, props to Pippa for that. What kind of American accent is it? Uh, sort of. I mean, I'm not really. Uh, I don't know. You've done. You've done a good job so far tonight. You've done some <laughs> cracking American impressions. I'm sure our listeners over on that side of the pond will be enthralled with hearing more yeah, of them. <laughs> I do. I do boring American commentator really, really well. But um, <laughs> what her specific accent is in America, I couldn't tell you. Maybe. Yeah. Towards the southern side of the country, but I couldn't be sure. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Mix that with a Somerset <laughs> accent, and you've got two amazing accents. It's an ultimate combination accent. Well, just anyone who's listening, look up an interview with what's the name again? Pippa. <laughs> You're doing great here. Yeah, S- such a talent. Relieve, yeah. relieve some pressure from Stu. Please yeah. do. It's just watching me writhe around in pain on the floor over here. I- <laughs> I did. I, I did have a really good point about Takuma Sato that I was going to make, but we got distracted and I've completely sorry, forgot sorry. what it was. Oh. It's all right, but it's oh, that was it. Interesting facts for you: Takuma Sato obviously won Indy at the weekend. Do you know where his only Formula One pole? No, not pole. Sorry, uh, podium was Japan. No, oh, Indy. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was Indy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. had to be because it, it be. was tire gate, wasn't it? Oh, of course, oh yes. yeah. did that, that put him race? on pole? Uh, oh, no, not pole, podium. Podium, sorry, podium. Did he yeah. ever get a yes. pole position? Or a, I don't think uh, so. Top front row? His F1 career wasn't great. No, he was, right. he was never in a great car. He was driving was mediocre cars for a lot of the time. He yeah, was an F1, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Probably the best car he got in, I think, was a BAR, maybe. Yeah, he wasn't a BAR. He was Button's uh, team. He was. Member, team partner. Uh, yeah, so he had a third in USA. What else has he got that was half decent? He had a f- he had a couple of fourth and fifth places in his career. Yeah, well, there was one year where the BAR Honda. wasn't wasn't such a bad car. Yeah, yeah. two thousand and four. Um, he was fairly consistent. Well, when he wasn't retiring, he was in the points a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, anyway, I think I think we've covered Indy there, then, haven't we? Do you think we offended enough people with that one? Quite possibly, yeah. Your accents might have, but I think the rest of it we've pulled off. Good, 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 good. Um, so shall we move on to predictions, the predictions championship? Yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, dear, dear, dear. Well, Chris, Chris, you must be happy. I'm, I'm fairly happy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So who wants to who, who wants to take it? Who wants to take the... Uh, go on, go I'll on take the reins off you if you like. Yeah. Go on then. Um, so... Not a single person playing got pole position right, <laughs> which is no great surprise when Raikkonen pops up with a laugh like that. Which is weird, though, because people have suggested Raikkonen for poles and wins it's previous true, to yeah. this race. The second sure one was faith in him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so everybody said Vettel Hamilton for pole, which obviously wasn't right. Uh, as for the win, me... In fact, all three of us said Vettel for the win. Yes! Back of the correct. grid! The back of the grid team scores again. <laughs> it's about time back we of the net. points. In fact, that's, 
I we think... are the professionals here, remember? I, I use the term professionals loosely. This is yeah. the first week Professional when all three winners. of us have outscored everybody else who's playing, which is a relief. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo! It's only six weeks in. Yeah, well, six weeks Nobody else got the winner, what right? A feeling. Uh, the first Sorry, retirement. I'm just celebrating the myself first... over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first retirement. Who was the first retirement? It was. Uh, that um... was Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg. Yes, it was Hulkenberg. Engine failure. Um, and then after that, it was... It tragically, was... after saying last week that I never get this right, so I'm going to say Jensen Button because I want to be wrong, I was tragically closest <laughs> to say Jensen Button. Yep. Um, yeah. So I got half a point for that. Um, so it's all your fault he did it that It is all my move. fault, yeah. Uh, number of finishers was 13, which me and Tom also got spot on. Nobody yes. else got. So close. Um, so close. Everyone was in the ballpark. It was all 14s and 15s otherwise. And then finally, our not-so-random driver, which was Jensen Button, who came home in 18th. <laughs> um, the guesses across the six people playing were 5th, 6th, 9th, 10th, and 10th. <laughs> optimistic oh, at, optimistic yeah. at best. So Paul Kelso got the half a point there for saying 12th. <laughs> yeah. Which is still way off the 18th. Oh, um, so, for the leaderboard... Uh, that leaves Ika still on 2.5 points, unfortunately. Paul Kelsall gets half a point to move him up to three. That's life stay on four points. None for them this week either. Stu, you got a whole point, which moves you up to four and a half. Yeah. Leapfrog's you back over the Dats life, guys. That's yes, right! Um, <laughs> I got a whole two and a half points, which puts me up to nine. And Tom, you've gone up to 12 and a half, so I've closed the gap to you a little bit there. Yeah, yeah you got the half Only the by point. half a point, but it all counts. I was trying to work out when doing the scores if we've ever had half a point for being the closest to Paul Hall win if nobody got it. I thought, <laughs> no, you've got to be spot on with those. We'll yes. do it with the other th- with the other three, but those have got to be spot on. Yeah, yeah, that's on. absolutely. Yeah. Mainly, I was thinking that because it had meant that me and Stu and Paul would have all got half yeah, a point right. for the same battle. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason I was thinking it. <laughs> Let's not change the rules now. <laughs> So, the next race will be in Canada. Canada. As we it should be an know. exciting one, because there's lots of teams saying they've got upgrades going for Canada. Yeah. Mm. Another, another Including Williams tra- for Lance Stroll's home race. Yeah, traditionally, another rather large upgrade race, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where they bring the, often bring the second round of upgrades from Barcelona. Um, that is that would be on the... That's, weekend starts on Friday the 9th of June, runs to Sunday the 11th. Which puts it two weeks away. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll do a show where we do some predictions uh, ne- next week. Before that, um, and we'll do some news. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully there'll be. Hopefully we'll have a more interesting podcast than the first half of this podcast, which was all about Monaco, which was boring. Um, <laughs> Uh, but thanks if, for listening to yeah, it. But, but, thank you <laughs> yeah, very much for sticking with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and hopefully, if you stuck with us long enough to get to the indie part, you would have been more entertained. Um, if you want to follow us on Twits or on Facebooks, you can find us at Back of the Grid F1. Um, you can listen to the podcast on backofthegrid.com. Um, you can follow me, Stu, at StuPX on Twitter, uh, Tom at TomKing89 on Twitter, and TNM Chris on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Because <laughs> um, it's 2017 and we do that. Uh, and I think that 
just about covers it. Yeah. What do you yeah. think, guys? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, please join us next time and uh, we'll speak again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.